0: In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. When we were all children, we were told, don't stare at the sun, it's gonna hurt your eyes. Or maybe you had a more drastic warning, don't stare at the sun, it's gonna make you blind. And so we learned not to stare at the sun. Of course, you ever tried, which some of us just couldn't help, but trying things we were told not to do, uh, it was painful and, and we soon stopped. The Gospel reading today talks about the eye and the lamp and light among many things. And it may seem like the Gospel reading today is kind of a set of all kinds of different teachings all over the place, but it's really making one singular point, one very important point. The reading that we hear today is part of a larger sermon. It's kind of like we've walked in towards the middle of the sermon and we're leaving before the sermon is over. And that sermon, of course, is the Sermon on the Mount that our Lord Jesus Christ gave as recorded in the Gospel of Matthew, the fifth chapter through the seventh chapter. So we're kind of in the middle of the sixth chapter, and he starts off talking about the eye is the lamp of the body. Now, he had talked about a lamp earlier in the sermon, and he had talked about light earlier in the sermon. He had told the disciples that had gathered together there to listen to him that they were a city set on a hill, a light that could not be hid. And he said, no one lights a lamp and puts it under a bushel, under a modion, that's the word, but on a lampstand so that it might shine and give light to all that are in the house. He also said earlier, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in the heavens. Now, we often tend to think the light and the good works are the same, but not necessarily. The light is the teaching. The light is the wisdom of God. The light is the teaching that is given to us from God, and its fruit is good works. Because in the Scriptures, teaching and action, there's no space in between. Teaching and action always go together. And so the teaching is the light that illuminates us. And the light purifies. It makes us clean. So we're to receive that light. And you hear, if the eye, the translation today said, is sound, the word is aplos, which means simple, sincere, direct, or frank. Sincere. If your eye is simple, sincere, focused, singularly focused, then the body will be full of light. Again, the teaching of God, the wisdom of God. But if the eye is, the translation we heard today, not sound, the Greek said, evil. If your eye is evil, then the light in you will be darkness. The light will be darkness. You will not have the right teaching in you. And if it is darkness, it says, how great will that darkness be? Like a black cave. If you've ever been in a cave where they turn off all the lights for a second, it's a little harrowing. You have to prepare yourself because most of us think of kind of a dark room, but there's always some sort of light coming from somewhere. But if you've ever been in total darkness, it's, it's a little unnerving. It's a little unnerving to say the least. He says, so that the light in you will be darkness, and how great is the darkness. And then he goes on, you cannot serve two masters. You will love the one and hate the other. You will serve the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon is an Aramaic word for riches or for wealth. I tried to look it up. I didn't find it. If you can find it, you can correct me later, but I didn't see any god in the Canaanite pantheon named Mammon. He's not actually talking about some other kind of pagan deity. It's just the personification of wealth. He's saying you can't serve these two together. And it makes sense. Imagine if you had two bosses and they were telling you to do different things. How perplexing that would be. Or imagine if you had one boss who is the CEO of the company you are working for, who is the owner, who hired you, who brought you in to work, who saw the potential in you, and there's maybe somebody else that ranks ahead of you a little bit, and was kind of trying to climb the corporate ladder and was trying to kind of look after himself, and he says, hey, come do this project for me, and I'll make sure that you benefit a little bit too. But you know that guy is kind of looking out for himself, and yeah, you might get a little bit of gain in the short term, but then you neglect to do what the owner of the company, the CEO, has asked you to do the project he has asked you to work on, and he is the one who's actually looking out for you. He's the one that sees the potential in you. He's the one that's brought you in because he believes in the good that you can do, but we neglect to do what he says because we think maybe we can get some short-term game by following the other one. How will that work out? Probably not very well. Not in the long term, anyway or imagine if you had a head coach and an assistant coach, if you play sports, and the head coach has, this is how we're gonna run the offense, and the assistant coach pulls you aside and says, no, you know, he doesn't really see the true potential in you, so when you go out there, you make sure you take the shot. I know that it's supposed to be for the other guy, but you take the shot when you get out there. Who are you gonna listen to? Are you gonna listen to the assistant coach, You don't really know what he's about. Or the head coach. And be a part of the team, right? Hopefully the head coach, because if not, it will not go well. You can't serve two masters. We have to have a singular focus. And then he gives some examples. Consider the lilies of the field, how beautiful they are. Even Solomon, all of his glory was not arrayed like these. You remember the story of Solomon? Solomon the wise, he prayed for wisdom, and God answered his prayer, and he became very wise, and he became very wealthy, and then he had all kinds of wives from all over the world, and they brought all of their pagan gods, and he wanted to keep them all happy, and he brought idolatry into the land, and then the kingdom was torn in two, and civil war took place, so Solomon, in all of his glory and his splendor, was not like the flowers of the field. They neither toil nor spin, yet Solomon, in all of his glory, was not arrayed like these. But it's interesting because he says, and if the grass today, which is in the field today and in the oven tomorrow, right? Does not God care so much more for you? Or imagine the birds of the heaven. It's the other example he gave that we heard. They neither reap nor sow, and yet they have food to eat. They never gather into barns. They have food. Notice he talks about the essential things, clothing and food. He's not necessarily talking about iPhones and all this other kind of stuff that we think we need so desperately, right? But He's talking about the essentials of life. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them. He knows that you need these things. But seek first his kingdom and its righteousness. These passages are not just about, you know, how to avoid anxiety. Because we hear over and over, don't be anxious. Me, Merim, We hear that verb in other places. When, uh, when Martha was scurrying about and she was upset that Mary was sitting at the feet of the Lord. And she's like, Lord, tell, him, tell my sister to help me. She says, He says, Martha, Martha, right, you are anxious and troubled about many things. That's that, that word that's used there. So we're told, don't be anxious and troubled about many things. Now, that doesn't mean don't work, don't do anything, just sit around, everything will just fall into your lap. No, he's not saying that, obviously. We have to be responsible. But he's saying, don't make this the chief focus in your life, because it's a harsh master, All of the pagan deities were cruel. They were capricious. They were not consistent. They didn't care about people. They only cared about their own power and their own glory. And this is true about all of the idols today, whatever it may be. They don't truly care about you. They don't truly love you. They don't have your best interest in mind. They will chew you up and spit you out. You know the phrase, I felt like I was just a number, right? This is that feeling. But God, who is our Father and who is our Master, who is our Kyrios, right? The Gospel says you can't have more than one Kyrios. He is our Kyrios. And he is the Kyrios who actually has our best interest in mind, who is a merciful and loving God, slow to anger, full of steadfast love. He is the one that we are called to serve. Seek his kingdom and his righteousness and all of these other things will be added unto you. Remember, we cannot serve two masters. We cannot be divided all over the place and our focus will become anxious, will become torn apart, and we'll be just kind of left as refuge on the side of the road. But God is the one again who cares for us, who looks after us, who provides for us, and who we are called to serve. And serving him is what brings truly joy and gladness.